Welcome to the Little Red Village podcast, produced by Little Red Fashion. CEO Jonathan Joseph and head historian Rachel Elspeth Gross are about to take you on a journey through the ins and outs of fashion, tugging at the threads of how it all works straight from the people who make it happen. Let's join them for today's episode. Today we're talking with Dr. Vanessa Paw, a brilliant woman who is using simple, easy to follow instructions to teach anyone how easy it can be to design their own digital fashion. That might sound impossible, but it's true. Everyone knows what paper dolls are. Even if they weren't a part of your childhood, you've seen them. Paper people in their underwear, accompanied by pages of outfits which can be attached to the dolls with little folding tabs. They're an old-fashioned toy now, but the concept behind them is getting a bit of a revival as technology progresses. Developers create new apps to advertise and sell us things. Whatever device you use, I guarantee that in its app store, there are hundreds of fashion-related games based around the idea of styling a doll or a model. And that's not the only place where fashion is going digital. There are a lot of conversations going on right now about the metaverse, about AI generative art, and how those things relate to costume and apparel design. But the whole thing is shrouded in mystery for a lot of us, myself included. If you don't already have experience with computer programming languages, and I definitely do not, then playing with these games and generators is really reminiscent of a great and powerful Oz, a mystery behind a metaphorical curtain, someone who does the magic for you and makes it seem more difficult than it really is. Even the simplest of applications or programs don't show you how the work is done or teach you how to actually make stuff. Dr. Pa wasn't satisfied with that. She wants kids, and people generally, to understand how simple it is to learn to make games, and in the process of doing so, gain valuable skills that allow anyone to be a more active and informed participant in our ever-expanding digital world. Because there were no books to buy, there were no accessible materials, Dr. Paw began to make them. And the first one is free. You could be well on your way to creating your own 3D dress-up game by the time this interview is over. Dr. Paw is an engineer who wants you to know how capable you are. She wants you to know that the things you imagine can be made real. She wants to show you the tools that you need to design your own digital world and she wants you to know that there are excellent free programs that you absolutely can learn to use. And that all of this can be done much faster than you might think. Demystifying systems that arbitrarily hold people back is a very big deal here at Little Red Fashion. We don't like meaningless exclusivity when inclusion could very literally save the world. The work that Dr. Paw is doing, what she is offering us, is so much more than generous. It's like the keys to a whole kingdom, but a kingdom of your own design. And she wants to help you learn to make it to your own exact specifications. How cool is that? Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Little Red Village for our I Can Do That series. I am your host, Jonathan Joseph, with my comrade in arms, Rachel Elspeth Gross, and our amazing guest today, Vanessa Paw, Dr. Vanessa Paw, I should say, excuse me. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to get to hear what your journey has been to get where you are as a wonderful, visible voice of color, particularly in the tech space as it pertains to digital fashion. I, I think that's really expansive, particularly for our young listeners who are looking for inspiration like you. 
Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate being here. I love your show. Thank you. First of all, I mean, we love books. Books are probably like our favorite thing. We always end up talking about them. One of the first things that I, I saw was your book on making your own fashion game, which I mean, I've played some in my youth, you know, some gape of the idea of being able to do that yourself. It sounds so empowering to a person, to a young person. And how did you how did you get to that as a career path? Well, it's a pretty windy path, which I do not recommend for careers, but I do recommend for interesting life. Uh, I probably loved dress up games like way too long. Everybody else, you know, all my friends were, you know, had started doing other things and I was still just loving dress up games. I loved paper dolls when I was a child and I first thought they didn't have enough clothes. So I made their own clothes for them. And then I realized that they didn't have the skin tone that matched mine. So then I made the dolls too. And I was like, oh, okay, this will be great. So, and I think Jonathan, you'll appreciate this because my father forced me to become an engineering major when I wanted to be a writer. I was very sad about that for a long time. But the positive side of that was that I got introduced to technology before a lot of other people. And even though I never got encouraged by teachers or anything or, you know, coworkers or anything like that to do anything with fashion with it, I was immediately like, okay, I have to do some sort of graphics with this. Can I make a skirt? Can I make a dress? Can I make something? I, I'm programming. Can I make it so that they switch in some way? I mean, I was always doing that, whatever technology I got into. So mainly like eventually like Flash if you remember Flash, and then I learned Java, and I made a little wedding gown designer program, and it was just like little shapes that you could turn on and off so that it looked like a mm. wedding gown in the end. It's like, this is a, you know, some puff sleeves, and this is a heart-shaped neckline, and this is a ball gown, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that, and then I, I, I wanted to start selling it. So I had to form a business because in order to go to a bridal show, I had to actually go, you know, like form a business. So my mom and I started a little business where I was making the games and she was, you know, like doing the other stuff. And then my dad came in and he was helping and, you know, we were just doing that. And so now I, I not only do games, but I don't do games as much for just the purpose of writing games. I'm actually writing specifically small games that are just the right size to teach other people how to make games. That's so cool. Very cool. So cool. I mean, there are plenty of people in the world, like myself, for example, I can appreciate it, but like, I'm not necessarily smart in that way yet. And I would love a game yeah. <laughs> to help me love learn. That. Well, it isn't actually that difficult. It's just that, and this is another reason why I decided to write the books is because when I was starting to learn how to do sort of what we now call digital fashion, there just really weren't any tutorials that much on it. There weren't game design books or digital fashion books at all. So I mainly learned by making first person shooters, which I was not happy about. And I have to say it's kind of problematic for a black person to make a first person shooter where the hands are black and the and they teach you how to make the other characters are white. So it was 
was just oh my gosh it was just yeah that's heavy yeah so I, I was like i gotta i gotta learn how to do this and i finally found role-playing games because in role mm-hmm. you have to change your armor and i was like mm. oh armor that's like clothes kind of and so mm-hmm. i started you know leveraging the armor changing software the armor changing code the armor changing technique mm-hmm. to make clothes and make clothes that would change and so that's kind of how i ended up figuring it out but then i was like there's still no book so i guess i'm just gonna have to write one and oh, i can relate to that sentiment I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, is that, is that kind of, you, you feel me on the- Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, the little red dress was like exactly like that. When I was like, there's no really good kids books about fashion. Like there's some that like fashion gets kind of like danced around, but no one's really like, this is how it works, kids. You know? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I can definitely empathize with that statement. I mean, I think what I love about your story is one of our favorite things, as you were saying it before, you know, like I, I, you know, it was kind of circle circumlocutive and I don't necessarily like recommend that for, you know, careers, but yay for an interesting life. I disagree. I, you know, something we have noticed on this show, the best careers are ones that happen organically and have that nonlinear path. And, and the overwhelming majority of careers are like that. And and the idea that there's this A to B line is, is largely a myth. And so that's something we really like to dig into here on the show, because showing kids that that's the norm rather than the exception is really important in building that sort of resilience, I think. Yeah, resilience and also delayed gratification. We've had a lot of conversations here about small goals and how adults who have creative children who maybe don't have the same creative drive or instincts can help you know, build skills that will allow bigger projects to happen. I mean, what you said about small games to teach, I mean, it's exactly, I mean, hits me in all the right places. I love that because it's it's important to have achievements that will let you make your next thing. And kids need encouragement to do that. I don't think it's easy to arrive at by yourself. Well, you got to hit that first ball off the tee, you know, to take it to the sports metaphor. Like sometimes you just, you got to be the tee and that's the, tea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think that a lot of times you will see somebody who's a professional at something and you'll be like, oh, there's no way I could do that. But you don't realize that there are steps that can be taken at any point. And if you just knew what those steps were, you could do some version of that and it's fine. Yeah. Demystifying is so important. I think that as wonderful as fashion is and can be, it is problematic to hide you know, the, how the sausage is made at times. And there is so, there are so many opportunities and there is so much white space for people to create careers just because it doesn't exist. Doesn't mean it won't. Right. I have a five-year-old daughter and I tell her all the time, as long as she's willing to do the work, she can do anything. You just have to be willing to do the work. And Jonathan and I agree. The work is the fun part. I feel like you (laughs) might feel similarly. Absolutely. For sure. It it strikes me, you know, that you, you know, you speak of a lot of the core skills or aspects of what you do as, you know, starting really early. So I'm definitely curious to know what your earliest fashion memory is, whether it was like a super impactful outfit, something that was like from an aunt that you just like remember burning your memory or or something that was important to you. Like what's that earliest memory where fashion was, was the core part of that memory? Well, my mother made all my clothes until I was left for college. 
pretty much. Lucky you. Well, yeah, in a way, you know how it is. If your mother doesn't make any of your clothes, you're like, oh, I wish my mother would make my clothes. But if your mother makes your clothes, you're like, oh, I wish I could have store-bought clothes. You know, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, like if my mother hair, more curly hair. If you have curly hair, you want straight hair. If you have wavy hair, it depends on the day. My mother made clothes for me, and my daughter is finally old enough, she's five, that she can now wear clothes. So she's trapped <laughs> wearing my pinafores from the 1980s. Like a little baby. I love it. I love it. I love it. So when I was like in pre-K, I had a little friend and at recess and I think this was her idea, but I was like all in. Okay. For us Mm -hmm. to put our coats on backward and Mm -hmm. it takes two people to do that. Right. Because, you know, you can't button it up if, you know, and so we would put our coats on backwards and button each other up and then strut around the playground as if we were on the you know runways of Milan or Paris. We just thought we were the coolest, you know. And mine was like a little red coat with a little, you know, skirt and hers was an announced mm. tooth coat with a, a a black velvet collar and oh my gosh, I, I still remember thinking that every time I look cute, I always think, oh, yeah, I just remember being, you know, oh, this would be so that playground runway moment. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clothing is so transformative. And it is, we say this a lot, this comes up in these conversations that can be armor, like you were saying with the RPG games, but it can also like let you try on something, you can test what it feels like and see if it's you. And allowing children the space to do that. I mean, I still play dress up in my closet. If it's raining and I don't have anything I've got to do, I mean. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love So is there any particular, I would always like to ask about books, if there's any particular book that you really found helpful to you that changed maybe the course of something, a book that's inspiring, something that's, meaningful to you that you would recommend? Well, one thing I would like to say just in just in reference to my book is point a little bit about what the process is like because I think that it it sounds complicated but it actually is pretty straightforward. So, first you make a model just like you would choose a model if you were doing fashion design mm-hmm. that in a program called Make Human, which is free and anybody can do that. Then you make the mesh. We call it, it's called a mesh, but it's kind of like the pattern, right? So it's a pattern for the garment. So you make a 3D mesh of the clothes. And we usually do that in a a tool called Blender, which is also free. And then you make the fabric, right? We call it a texture in the 3D. Mm -hmm. It's called a texture, but it's, it's also free. The tool is free. It's called GIMP. It's kind of like Photoshop, but you can do Photoshop, but Photoshop's kind of expensive. I like to choose free tools. And then after you get those done, you put them all into a program called Unity, which is a game engine, right? And it's mm-hmm. free also. And you write a little code, a little texture or mesh swapping code, which is pretty easy to do. And then you have a game and then you can put it on the web with GitHub, which is also free. So you can make the game and it really isn't that hard to do if you know what the steps are and, and it's free. So that I just wanted to make sure that I got that in there because I wanted to make yeah. sure that anybody who sees me and said, and, 
I just, yeah, it's, I just did it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who, who sees me and thinks, oh, it's so hard to do and it's so expensive to make a game. It really isn't. It just takes a little time and the, the information is out there. And as for other, other books or sources, my favorite book right now is Dressed in Dreams by Tanisha mm. Ford. I don't know if you've heard that book. No, it's a lovely name, though. Yeah. Well, I'll be bopping over to buy it right after this episode. <laughs> yeah. It, she's a fashion historian, I think, like you, Rachel. And she it's sort of a half memoir, half like a clothing history of Ooh. her childhood. And it's it's really well written and fun. Another one is anything by Natasha Lester. I don't know if you know her. She writes fictional books, but I just, I, I, those are the books I wish I had written, you know, when I was thinking about writers, like, oh, I want to write books where they talk about this thing happened like a zipper being pulled up, you know, that's the way she writes. And so if you love awesome. to talk about fashion, I mean, I think it like the Paris seamstress or something like that, the Paris orphan, those are so good. And other resources, podcasts, I listen to Black Fashion History. Mm-hmm. Which is, I love them. And Dressed. I know you guys listen to Dressed, right? I mean, come on. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, did you yeah. hear our episode? Shameless yeah. reverse book. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. YouTube channels, uh, Black Girl in a Big Dress. Yes. Oh, I love, I love their content. So good. Oh, oh so my good. God. That's like, that's like me watching all my period dramas, wishing I was like walking around in period. I found out about them because I was on my Bridgerton kick. Oh, <laughs> Yes. That's how I, yeah, that's how I learned about them. And I have since. And obviously, Ultimate Fashion History. I love that. And they're revamping. So that's going to be really good. And then the last one is probably a little bit more obscure. It's The Scorpion C. And yeah. she does what I do in terms of she, she gives tutorials about how to do digital fashion, but a, a lot of other things as well. But that's one of the things. So if you're thinking, oh, a book is too much to read. I just want to watch a few videos. She has a really good channel for that. C like S E A V, and then the word scorpion, like the the astrology sign Scorpio. Scorpio. Yes, yes. And then C, a capital C. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, and I mean, I'm sitting here looking at dressed in dreams and a black girl's love letter to the power of fashion. It's such a beautiful yeah. subtitle. It's wonderful. It's really, it's really good too, and it's a quick read. I'm a sucker for words. I just love beautiful language. And I mean, very excited. I'm going to lots of things to always, always need more books. So did you ever get any advice that was particularly helpful? Did anyone ever say something that, I mean, I understand there were parts with the engineering and maybe less attention from teachers or but did anyone ever say something you, you still use? It's still important. Well, I would say that kind of the, the advice that sort of changed me from thinking of myself as an employee and that I had to, I mean, obviously you got to keep your day job. You got to keep some kind of income coming in, but that made me think differently about myself was I went to a game developers conference and I was there looking for jobs. And one of the speakers on the panel was a woman. And I, I said, well, you know, like, how do I break into the game industry? And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to have some control over content. I want to make clothes, you know, in the game. And, and she said, no, you don't want to work in the game industry. What you want to do is start your own business and do your own thing because you'll never get the kind of control that you want 
And I was like, me, you know, can I do that? And she's like, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't have to take huge steps, just take baby steps and you can get there. And, and I still think about that all the time now because I'm not afraid to try new things. I mean, like I used to be more just making the games and then I switched more to, you know, writing the books. Before that, I was more thinking about like, oh, how can I sell this as a product? Before mm -hmm. that, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to work for someone. So I've changed over time because each time I just go, okay, if this is not serving me, I can just do something different and it's fine. So healthy. I mean, nobody is ever successful at the very first thing that they do. And there's so much work that is hidden and invisible and everybody has to do everything for themselves until they can afford to pay for help. And all of that, I mean, I, Jonathan and I, we keep coming back to this. It's important to talk about that. It's important to recognize that it is hard and that it steals your sleep and gives you anxiety. And even if you love it, some days it's hurtful and it it's hard. But being able to be tenacious and get past that, bravo. Yeah. And I'm more of a like fifth times the charm kind of girl <laughs> instead of first time or so. No, it, it's okay if it takes five times, you know, it's fine. Absolutely. It is. It really Sometimes you're a Susan Lucci. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. And you know, wear what she wears. Oh. oh, no, my God. I grew up on all my children. My mother loved. I mean, one of the daughters, Bianca, maybe was like my age. And I always felt like Bianca and I were friends. <laughs> Plus the clothes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I was actually named after, after, you probably don't remember this, but Edge of Night, that there was oh. this book opera they, a long time ago. My great grandmother yeah. named after a character on Edge of Night. Edge of Night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my, that's a beautiful name. Oh. Yeah, I love it. Amazing. So I'm curious, as we, because I'm a digital fashioner, I was curious to what you, what do you think the, not only the future of digital fashion looks like, but if you could have anything you want out of it as a, as a force, what would you like digital fashion to be able to do? Well, first of all, I'll say that I have been thinking about the kinds of products that we should have now with digital fashion. You know, since I was a kid and I had my own closet, I'm thinking, I mean, you guys saw Clueless, right? Where is that? <laughs> Where is that program? Right. I mean, we still don't have, and we don't have digital try on. You know what I mean? We really don't, not in a, not in a really effective way. And I, and I think that's just a choice that people are making. So I feel like the future of digital fashion, as more people who are not focused solely on, let's say, the money, but they're focused more on the inclusivity, let's say, making sure that everybody can try on, everybody can make clothes that they like to have. I think it will become more inclusive. And I think that in terms of what we will be doing, in, we will be in the metaverse in 10 years, right? I mean, everything will be there, right? So if we want the kind of fashion where people of all, just everybody, let's just say everybody, if everybody can be in the metaverse and be represented in the metaverse, right? Then we need people to be making themselves or making whatever they want to look like, whatever kind of clothes they want to look like, we need them to start learning how to do that today. So that tomorrow or 10 years from now, those things are there because 
I mean, games are made now and there are no black avatars in a lot of games. Games are made now and there are no female avatars for a lot of games, right? Games are made now and you can't change your clothes, which I'm sorry, that's even bigger to me, <laughs> a bigger problem <laughs> than that I can't be, my, I can't look like myself or look like what I want to look like. If I can't change my clothes, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know. So if we want that, that metaverse to look that way, I think we need to focus on that today. Uh, it's so interesting. I really like that. Just the idea that it is those little steps, right? It's that small stuff that cumulatively makes the kind of systemic changes that, to be frank, humans deserve. We can't... What you're saying about the lack of people of color, the lack of female characters... Like, I always never want to watch Lord of the Rings because it's a bunch of dudes marching up a volcano to throw away perfectly good jewelry. Like, there's nothing there for me. <laughs> but, I love it! But it's a... The thing... It's a place where money could be made by not including all shapes, all colors, all kinds of love, all kinds of self-identifying whatever. Like, just to be coldly pragmatic, there's money. Why not expand your customer base, right? Like, I don't know, maybe by default it will have to happen faster. Well, the thing is that that is what racism and sexism and all the other isms have done, is they have forced com companies to leave money on the table, right? Because it's not like yeah. black people just showed up yesterday <laughs> or women just showed up yesterday or right. people who wanted to wear something that was not your corporate suit showed up yesterday. We've been here the whole time, right? So we've, and we've had money and we've wanted to buy things. We, we wanted to buy clothes, you know, uh, in the 1880s, you know, but corporations said, well, I don't think I really want to do that. I, I think all of our customers are male, or I think all of our customers are this or that or whatever. And they did not, you know, go through it. So I think that our jobs, and, and that's why I, I just love what you guys are doing, is that our jobs are to teach kids, look, whatever you want the future to be like, you need to start doing that right now. Because if you have the skills to make clothes, or you have the skills to make digital clothes, or you have the skills to do anything, then you have you don't have to even have a seat at their table. You can make your own table, right? Build your own banquet, yeah. Yes, you can make your own metaverse, right? That's that's kind of where I feel like I will be going by doing this now in 10 years when everybody has their own metaverse. Well, I won't have to have the corporate table or the corporate clothes or the corporate avatars. I'll already know how to make my own, right? And anybody who reads the book or anybody who just learns how to do this stuff now, they'll have their own and they won't have to buy the corporate, the corporations are selling. Amazing. I, I love that. I think just quickly for our listeners, can you let them know the name of your book and more information about it really quick so that they know where they can grab it? Yeah, there's, there's a, it's a book series. So the first one is how to make your own 3D. Well, I, well, I think the first one is how to make your first 3D fashion game. Right. And then there's how to make your second one, how to make your third one. And then those are those are tool based games, how to learn the tools. And then there's a second half of the series where I'm focusing on how to learn techniques, like how to make your own clothes, how to make, you know, how to where to get clothes that are already made, 
how to do cloth simulation. You know, mm. so you can have ruffles and puff sleeves and things like that. Jakar, yeah. And they're they're available on the ones that are out there so far. They're available on iTunes bookstore. Well, like yeah, I just downloaded it. Yeah. Yeah. And and the first one is free because I want to make sure that any again, free, free, free. And the fourth one just came out like the week before we were supposed to do this podcast. So it's also free for it'll be free for a while. So people want to try that, too. And the other ones, you know, you can buy them if you want. If otherwise, if you really are desperate and you're like, I've done everything else free, you know, they can email me at Vanessa Podge email and I will, if you're a kid, I'll get you a copy. Do you have physical copies? Is there a physical copy I could buy? There are no physical copies. They're all just eBooks because they're, they're, they're like 400 pages. So you don't want (laughs) to, yeah, but if you want one, I will, I will email you one because I would PDF. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Amazing. That's so exciting. Yeah. I don't know about you, Rachel, but that was pretty fun. I, I'm so glad that Vanessa was able to join us on this episode of the podcast. I think the future of digital fashion is limitless. And I am so excited that it's in, in the capable hands of folks like yourself, Vanessa. Thank you so much for joining us. No, we, we really, really appreciate it. And wow, I'm just impressed. I mean, every time I love audacity. I feel like audacity is something that has been given a bad name and has been used to punish people who are female or identify that way or are the wrong color or love the wrong people for so long. And seeing women be audacious and make the world change. Thank you. Oh, you're very inspiring. And you guys, I just love what you're doing. And I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a blast. Oh, it's been a blast having you. Thank you, Vanessa. That's a wrap for today. Visit us at littleredfashion.com, where you can find the show notes and transcripts of Little Red Village podcast episodes on the blog. And if you enjoyed it, give us a four-star review on whatever platform you're listening through. We're on a mission to empower the next generation and build a community of supportive fashion lovers, families, educators, and professionals like you to help creative kids thrive. Thanks for joining Jonathan and Rachel today. And remember, fashion is for everyone.